You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. It's incredible, incredible to think about, you know, heaven has all these amazing sights, a river of life and a, a tree that has fruits for every, every month, gates of, gates of pearl, walls of jasper, foundations made of all these precious jewels, a street made of gold, and that's some of the least beautiful things in heaven. The Bible says, we, I have not seen... What, you, you know what it is. <laughs> Ear have not heard, eye have not seen. I'm still trying to catch up from my trip, I'm, I'm telling you. I, I did not cross time zones, but I still feel jet-lagged. Is that, is that possible? I don't think. Let me tell, okay, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one story about my stay, okay? As long as you understand that I'm not complaining in any way. Um, I was staying, I was staying in, a, in a room, and uh, you know, ground floor room, and I just finished preaching, uh, Friday night, and I had woken up. I think I think like five in the morning on on Friday morning, and uh, so it was a, it was a long day. I just preached, and you've seen me preach. You know, I, I usually give everything. I need to wear an Apple Watch at one point and see what happens during during a message. <laughs> I think I would start like beeping, like stop, 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 what you're doing. Uh, so I get back into the room, and I'm talking to my wife on FaceTime. And I look down on the ground, and there's a stick on the ground, like a big stick, like about, about, about that big. And uh, so I'm kind of talking to her, and I'm looking down. And then I'm wondering, where, where did that stick come from? Because I haven't come from outside. And, and even if I did, like, how, how did I track a, a stick in? It, it's right in the middle of the room. I would have noticed it had, had I gone by. So it was kind of bad. It was kind of bad uh, reception and everything. So, so Tracy's call drops. And then I look down, and the stick is moving. It's an earthworm. I put my foot next to it, and it was as long. I, know, I have small feet, but it was as long as my foot. Uh, okay, no big deal. I'm a man. Just, just pick it up, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm letting. I'm letting you. I shouldn't do this, okay? I want you to think highly of me, but I'm. I'm going like. I'm a 31-year-old man, and it's an earthworm, and I'm like. Ugh. <laughs> All right, which way's the head, right? <laughs> and, so as, and as soon as I touch it, it, it like curls up and starts writhing on the ground like it's filled with the 2,000 demons with the swine. And I, 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 I yelped, okay, I yelped. And, and I, start, I start like berating myself, like, dude, what's wrong with you? You're a man. Come on. Like, just, just squish it. But I'm like, no, it looks so juicy. Like, I don't want to <laughs> do that. So I go and I grab, a, I grab like a, a, 
a washcloth and I throw it on top and I'm trying to, have you ever tried to grab an earthworm through? Uh, what, you probably haven't. This is a very <laughs> unique situation. It's so, it's so strong. So I, I, like I finally grab it and then, it, you know, the, the washcloth is kind of hanging down and it's just kind of writhing all over the place. Now what? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, not raw, not raw. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put it in the, in the trash can. I'm not going to walk it all the way out, outside because then it's just going to get back in. I'm not going to kill it because it's one of God's creatures. But then I'm like, no, this, thing's, this thing deserves to die. <laughs> so I went to the commode is what I will use. And I, I put it in there and I... Instant regret. <laughs> it's going to climb back up. <laughs> so I, I didn't use that commode for the rest of the trip. Just put the lid down. And cut. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So the joys of traveling and preaching. Just wanted to kind of let you into that. Philippians chapter 3 is where we'll be. Philippians chapter 3. We should get into preaching. Be praying for my wife. She's home with uh, one of our kids who's not feeling well, and I am sure she is deeply upset that I just told that story <laughs> and used the word commode now three times in my message. Brother Matt, when you uh, upload the preaching podcast, please start it here. Welcome to Heritage Baptist Church this morning. So glad that you are here. I just want to get right into the message this morning, being the mature pastor that I am. We'll start in verse 7, and we're going to read through verse 14. We'll, we'll definitely focus more towards the end, kind of once we get past the, the tens. We'll, we'll, mo we'll mostly focus there, but I do want to start in verse 7 here. But what things were gain to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Paul is talking about his past past accomplishments, past, I wouldn't call them victories per se. Uh, they were definitely in, in the time when he was lost. Uh, but he's talking about his, his religious upbringing and basically all the areas in which he said he could glory in the flesh if he wanted to. He's a very smart, very educated person. Um, and just a worker, you could not shut him down. He had a lot to be proud of if he wanted to be proud, is what he's talking about. But all those things that, according to the world, would bring gain to my life, I, I refuse those. I count those as loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I'm not here to win accolades. I'm here to win Christ. I am not here to win the attention of man. I am here to win Christ's attention. That I may know him. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, that righteousness which is of God by faith. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now he is not saying I want someday to rise from the dead in the resurrection. That's, that's going to happen. Christ is risen from the dead. We will rise from the dead. He's saying I want to live that resurrected life now. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Now, wait a second. We need to remember who's, who's writing this. This isn't a new Christian writing this. This is Paul, the apostle, writing this. Would any of you consider it a compliment if somebody said you lived your life like Paul? Well, certainly. Paul's one of the greatest Christians, if not the greatest Christians, in the Bible. And he is saying, guys, I haven't arrived yet. I have not yet attained. I am not perfect. I am not complete. But I follow after, I love this phrase right here, that I may apprehend, that I may grab, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I am going to keep shooting for the goal that Jesus saved me for. Jesus apprehended me for a purpose. Jesus apprehended me so that I could apprehend him. I am in Christ's hands. I am in Jesus' hands. But I want to get closer to him, is what he's saying. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things behind, which are before, here's the one thing I do, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're going higher today. Today, we're going higher. Maybe over the past few months, you've been happy with where you are. Maybe over the past few years, you've seen a lot of growth. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. And I think the Lord is happy about that. We're going higher today. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are in your life. We're going higher Today, at least the invitation is out there. And I'm going to give you a scriptural challenge that you should go higher today. We're going higher today. Heavenly Father, through your Holy Spirit, please challenge us to step up, to get up, and to keep on moving forward in our Christian life. Maybe we must start our Christian life today. If, if there's somebody in here who does not know that they're going to heaven when they die, they didn't know that they could know they're going to heaven when they die. They need to start this journey today. But others who have started this journey need to keep going. Please, through your Holy Spirit and for Christ's sake, let it be so. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm not asking you to answer out loud because there's really not a right answer. But if I were to ask you, in your opinion, what is the most dangerous word in Christianity today? What word do you think of? What, what word would your answer be? So if you're, if you're thinking of one right now, you can, you can raise your hand. What is the most dangerous word in Christianity today? Brother Marvin, in your opinion, complacency, okay? Darren? Uh, compromise. Compromise, okay. Brother Dodson? Rapture. Rapture, most dangerous word. I think that's a good word right there. Brother Matt, is that you? Brother Matt, yeah. Uh huh. Patience. Okay. You guys are going a different route than this one. <laughs> Brother Ben. Apathy. 
Apathy. Don't care. Just don't care. Okay. Yes, Miss Tiffany. Love. Okay. Again, there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. I think all of you could give very compelling arguments as to why you believe your answer, your word, is the most dangerous word in Christianity. Would some of you say pride? Certainly. It's a dangerous word when it comes to Christianity. Would some of you say doubt? Would some of you say unbelief? How about this one? Division. Is Christ divided? No, that's a dangerous word in Christianity. When there's infighting amongst each other, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and we certainly don't wrestle against the brethren. Spending so much time cutting down fruit trees, what are we doing? Would we say hate or bitterness? I mean, we, th those are all dangerous words. I am going to present you with what I consider to be the most dangerous word in Christianity today. I could be wrong. I might change my word tomorrow. But as of now, what I consider to be the most dangerous word in Christianity is satisfaction. Complacency. You get a cough drop. <laughs> I might need that later, actually. Satisfaction, complacency, comfort. How about this one? Lukewarm. That's the Bible word for it. Many Christians struggle with pride. Many Christians struggle with hate and division and doubt and disbelief and, and all of those different patience and all of those end, end times, you know, thinking of all these different things. They, they struggle with that. But the disease that I see spreading more through Christianity today, especially American Christianity, is we are satisfied with ourselves. We've come so far, and we're satisfied with our progress. We're in church today, and we're satisfied that we're in church today. We're going to get our dose of Jesus for the week, and we'll go on. We are satisfied because we read our Bibles. We pray, and so we're satisfied that we pray because we never used to pray before. But we pray now. Look how far we've come. We're satisfied with it. We're serving, and we're satisfied that we're serving. We're giving, and we're satisfied that we're giving. Our family is better than it used to be. We're not fighting anymore, and we have some peace in the home. So we're satisfied with that peace that we've found. We've satisfied with that growth that we've seen. On the mountain of our Christian life, this is going to be the mountain right here, okay? On the mountain of our Christian life, we have stopped looking at the summit, and we've started looking at the view. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. We, back when the previous pastor was here, Pastor Abbott was here, sometimes he would say, we're going hiking this weekend. Cool. Okay, so one time we went to Guadalupe Mountains National Park, I think it was, over by, uh, over by New Mexico. Me and Pastor Atwood are there, and it's our first hike. We had never done anything like this before, but we were in shape, <laughs> we thought. And so we're going to start at the trailhead, which is 5,600 feet above sea level. 
and we're going to the top. That day, the top is 8,600 feet above sea level, nine miles away. Now, maybe to some of you like us, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Nine miles, 3,000 feet, Pfft. whatever. Okay. So we start at the trailhead and we start going a mile into this thing. We have, we have risen 1,000 feet. We've gone from 5,600 to 6,600. And we're tired. Oh, but guys, the view. The view was incredible. I was tempted to show you pictures. The view was, I, I'm, a, I'm a city boy. We don't have mountains. We have iron mountains, okay? <laughs> you go up the Sears Tower, not the Willis Tower, the Sears Tower. Amen. And you, you look over. The mountains there are, are skyscrapers, okay? But when you're talking about being 6,600 feet above sea level and you're able to look out on everything, the view is incredible. And guys, we were tired. And we're thinking we have eight miles left to go. We have six hours left of sunlight. And we've only risen 1,000 feet. And the next four miles, we have to go down again before we go up again. Why don't we just stay here and enjoy the view? There's a campsite here. Why don't we just stay here? But we looked at each other and said, hey, we didn't come here to enjoy the view. We're going higher. We came here to reach the summit, didn't we? It's not why we drove all the way out here. We came here to reach the summit. So we start going a little further. By the time we reach the next campsite, I think by that point, we are three miles into it, and we are now lower than we were at the first time that we stopped. We're exhausted by now. We still have not made it halfway. But guys, the view. The view was incredible. Things I had never seen before. You're, you, you're looking down and you feel like you could jump off the cliff and catch yourself in a cloud. Incredible. Let's just stay here. Let's just stay here. Look at these views that we have. No, 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 no. We didn't come here to enjoy the view. We came here to reach the top. Let's go. Let's push. Here's where my analogy breaks down because it's one of the biggest regrets of my life. Spiritually, it will never be a regret. We got up to the peak. By the time it was dark, we couldn't see anything. We collapsed. I think, I, think I, I barely sipped on some ramen broth and then fell asleep. But the next morning, we get up, and the sun is coming up. And whatever view we had at 5,600 feet and 6,600 feet, and then a little later at 6,200 feet, and then the entire time we were climbing, that, the view that we had there, which was really good, could not beat the view at the top. And that's why we started climbing. Now, Paul is saying in these verses, in the Christian life, our goal is not to enjoy the view. Our goal is to reach the top. Our goal is not to be different. Now, this, this is where you're going to need to listen. Our goal is not to be different than we were yesterday, even though that's a good thing. You should be different. You should be better. But our goal is not to be better than we were yesterday. Our goal is not to be stronger than we were yesterday. Our goal is not to be a better father today than we were yesterday or a better parent. That is not our goal. Are those good things? Yes. 
But Paul is saying that's not our goal. Our goal is not to be better than yesterday. Our goal is to be like Christ. Our goal is not to be different than yesterday or stronger than yesterday, although those are very good things. Our goal is to be like Christ. So when Paul says, I have not yet apprehended, he's saying this, the Christian life is like a race. What is a runner's goal? To run the race? No. Finish the race. And therefore, if the Christian life is like a race, we do not cross the finish line until we are like Christ. So until we are like Jesus, don't stop running. Until we are like Jesus, we must not stop running. It doesn't matter how far we've run. Our goal is not to run it. Our goal is to finish it. When Paul says, I have not yet apprehended, he's saying the Christian life is like a war. What is a soldier's goal in a war? To fight the war? Win the war. So if the Christian life is like a war, we do not win the war until we win Christ. We do not win the war until we awake in his likeness. Therefore, until we are like Christ, we can't stop fighting. Our goal is not, it doesn't matter how many battles we've won. It doesn't matter how many battles you've won as a person or as a church. Our goal is not to win battles. Our goal is to win the war. Now, the illustration I want to focus on is the Christian life is like a mountain. What is a climber's goal? The climber's goal is not to enjoy the view along the way, although he can. That's one of the perks of it. But that is not his goal. His goal is to reach the summit. So if the Christian life is like a mountain, we do not reach the summit until we are like Christ. So until we are like Jesus, it doesn't matter how far we've climbed, does it? We must forget, actually. We must forget those things which are behind us. We have to forget the things that have brought us this far and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus by reaching forth unto those things which are before us. Doesn't matter how high we've climbed. Our goal is not to climb higher than we were yesterday. Our goal is not to climb higher than other people. I'm going to stop right here because I'm looking down at everybody else in the church and they're all lower than me. So I'm going to be satisfied with where I am. Wait a second. Our goal is not for us to be satisfied. Our goal is for him to be satisfied. And he says, I am not satisfied until you are like me. So unless we can look in all honesty at each other and say, I am just like Christ in every way. I have his mind. I have his tongue. I have his heart for people. I have his patience. I have his love. Unless we can say that, I am here to challenge every single one of us, stop looking at how far we've come and stop being comfortable and stop convincing yourself that you've grown enough in your Christian life. Stop being satisfied with where you are and who you are. I'm not negating how far you've come. I think it's a wonderful thing. But stop being complacent in your Christianity. Stop looking at the view. We haven't reached the summit yet. Get up. Take my hand. Follow me as I follow Christ. We're going higher today. That's my challenge. 
When Paul looked at his past, when he looked back at the mountain that he had climbed, nobody else in the world had more reason to say, how would, how would I, no, nobody else could say more than Paul, look at how much I've accomplished. Look at how high I've climbed. And he certainly did climb higher in Christianity than a lot of other people did. And if he wanted to, he could have settled in and enjoyed the view. But instead, he said, I have not yet attained. I have not, in fact, what things were gained to me, what things have brought me so far up the mountain, I count those as, as loss. I'm not looking as what, at what has brought, I'll learn how to talk today at some point. Uh, I am not looking at what has brought me this far. I'm looking at how much further I have to go. Paul could have said, I have climbed higher for Christ than anybody else in the world. I'm, I'm satisfied with my progress. But instead he said, I have not yet apprehended. I've come a long way, but I have not reached my goal. I'm not satisfied with how far I've come. In fact, I wish to forget those things which have brought me this far, and I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not here to look at the view. I'm here to go higher. And that is the attitude God wants you to have. That's the attitude God wants us to have. It does not matter how far we've come. We're going higher today. And then you wake up tomorrow. We're going higher today. More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More, 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 more. More about Jesus. You're not done until you're dead. If you're alive, you qualify. We're going higher today. Now here's how we're going to proceed. I'm going to put all of you in a category. It's, it's more complicated because one part of your life might be in one category. One part of your life might be up here. Another part of your life may be way down here. Okay? You, you might have parts of your life strewn out over this mountain. But no matter what it is, go higher. Okay? You might be really strong in one area. You might be really weak in another area. So don't say, well, I'm strong here. I can stay weak here. No, find your weakness here and go higher today. And then find your strength here and go higher today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to place you all in one, one of a few categories. There are some in this room, you are broken. You are in the broken category. I don't know why you're broken. One of two things happened to you. You either fell or somebody pushed you. Either you did something to break your life or somebody did something to you that broke your life. But you're hurt. You're damaged. You're at the bottom of the mountain. You are, your family is barely staying together. Maybe that's what's broken. Your marriage is strained. Your friends are forsaking you. Your heart and your mind are burdened down with, with care, many cares. You've lost somebody in death or somebody close to you has devastated you. You're lonely. Your body's racked with pain and illness. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, it's left you broken. You're in the broken category. There are others in this room. You are weak. Broken is, is all the way down. A little bit higher, there are some in this room, you are weak. You don't lack desire to live for God. You don't lack willingness to live for God. But you lack the knowledge, and therefore you lack the ability, 
in order to live the Christian life in the way that you should live the Christian life. You're not weak because you're a terrible person. I don't look at my son, I don't look at a newborn child that can't carry his own weight and said, you're weak, you're pathetic. You're not weak because you're a terrible person. You're not weak because of anything that you've done. You're weak because you're facing things in life that you've never faced before, and you have never exercised those muscles yet. That's why you are weak. You don't know what it means to have a devotional walk with God. When somebody says, read your Bible, pray every day, you don't know what that means. Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? Where do I start? A lot of people start in job. I need a job. I'll read job. They, they have absolutely no clue. You don't know what it means to have a devotional life. You don't know what it means to be a New Testament giver. You see the, the ushers come down and they have this little plate and they pass. And, some, and you're like, okay, other people are giving. I should give. And you give more out of guilt then you give out, I don't want to come here, like, I don't want to go to a restaurant and eat for free, so I'll give something. But what does it mean to be a New Testament giver? You don't know. Okay? You've never exercised that before. What does it mean to be a church member at the end of every service? I want you to join the church. And you think, I want to join the church, but what does that mean? Do you put me through some type of class? Do I have to take a quiz? Is there a test? Do I have to come up in front of everybody? Because <laughs> I really don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. You just don't know what it is. Guys, ask. Just ask. Yes, you need to come up in front of everybody, and we're all going to ask you questions, and we're going to put you on the spot. And if you answer one wrong, for goodness sake, one wrong, we don't have time for your ignorance. You obviously know I'm kidding. You don't know what it means to be a biblical parent. You, going back to the church member thing, you're thinking, are there qualifications? And if I don't meet those qualifications, Men complicate things, okay? God keeps things simple. Let's, let's see what church membership is, was in the scriptures. The same day, okay, they, they, they repented, they were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Church membership. That's it. Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Have you been baptized scripturally? Church membership. Qualifications, wonderful. But you don't know what it means to be a biblical son or a daughter or to be a biblical friend. The Bible refers to you as somebody who's weak in the faith, okay? Let's go a little bit higher. There's some in this room that are strong. So you have broken, you have weak, and you have strong. You know what the Bible says about many things. You know, you've learned much about church. You've learned much about giving and faithfulness and family and marriage and child rearing and Bible doctrine. You know what the Bible says about convictions and about standards to, to protect that. When it comes to Christianity, here's what I'll say. If you're a strong Christian in this room, when it comes to Christianity, you know what the Bible says you can and can't do. You know where the line is drawn. There are some in this room that I will say are mature. Now, please don't think, oh, so, so if I'm strong, I'm immature. Like, please, please don't. And again, you could be strewn out. You, you might be really mature in some areas, only strong in others. Okay? So if you get offended, you are immature. <laughs> there are some in this room that are mature. While strong Christians, okay, while strong Christians know what they can and can't do, mature Christians ask what they should or shouldn't do. 
A strong Christian bases his decisions off of the rules of Scripture. A mature Christian bases his decisions off of his love for Jesus and his love for others. A strong Christian will base his decisions off of the law. What does the law say I can or cannot do? A mature Christian will go a little further than that and say, what, what should I do? And what shouldn't I do? We'll come back to that in a little bit. Lastly, there are people in this room, you are profitable. Now, again, I'm not saying that if you are not, that you are unprofitable. Okay, but there are people I would say you are profitable. Now, listen, just because you are a mature Christian doesn't mean you're profitable to Jesus' work. Just because you know there are plenty of people who are mature enough to know what they should or should not do, but they don't do it. There are plenty of people whose Christian maturity, whenever I'm trying to make a point, I become Italian. Do you notice that? There are plenty of people whose Christian maturity <laughs> would be a great benefit to the church, but they won't get involved. A profitable Christian is simply this, somebody who has learned what God says they should do, and then they do it. And they do it not for the praise of man, but for the Lord, and they do it faithfully. A, a, a profitable Christian is somebody who learns what God says they should not do, and they don't do it, and they don't do it because they love the Lord, and they don't do it ever. And in simply just following what God's book says they should or should not do, they're profitable. They are profitable to the ministry. Now, so what does all that mean? Well, well, one of my jobs as your pastor, one of the jobs as pastor of Heritage Baptist Church is to find the mature Christians in this church and encourage you to become profitable. And then I need to find the strong Christians in this church and I need to challenge you to become mature so that you can become profitable. And then I need to find the weak in this church. And I need to help you to become strong so that then you can become mature, so that you can become profitable. And then I need to find the broken in this church. And you don't cast them off to the side. We have no need for you. God's not done with you when you're broken. Why is the church done with people that God is not done with? You come to the broken, and that's one of my jobs, and I, and I try to help you to get back on your feet, and you might be panting and have the wind knocked out of you, but at least you're not, at least you're put back together. You might be weak. You might not be able to handle a lot of things right now, and I'll protect you. As best as I can, I'll protect you as a pastor, and we should protect those people as a church. You who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Protect those people. Don't turn your back on those people. And then to encourage them to become strong so that they can become mature and so that they can become profitable. And then I need to find the profitable ones and remind you just because you're profitable doesn't mean you've attained to anything yet. Just because you are profitable does not mean you've arrived. So it doesn't matter what group you're in, broken, weak, strong, mature, or profitable, no matter how low or how high you are on the mountain of Christianity, I'm trying to show you, you're not done. 
There is still a mountain to climb. There's still more where you can grow. We have not apprehended. In fact, the best views are yet to come. So get up, get up, get up. We're going higher today. What a shame. What a shame it would be to know in your personal life that you are reading as much of your Bible as you will ever read. What a shame it would be to know that you are as much of a prayer as you will ever be today. And you are serving as much as you will ever serve. And you have learned as much as you will ever learn. And you are studying as much as you will ever study. You are in church right now as much as you will ever be in church. And I want to ask you that. You've been coming to church for a long time. When's the last time you've grown in your church attendance? I'm here every time the doors are open. Ask me to open them more. What a shame. What a shame, Ethan and Jeremy and Riley and Brother Luke. What a shame if today you are the best usher that you will ever be. Nursery workers. What a shame (laughs) if right now you are the best nursery worker that you will ever be. We're very thankful for you. God bless you. (laughs) Our musicians, what a shame if right now you are the best musician that you will ever be. What a shame if you are the best giver right now than you will ever be. Or you're the best bus worker right now than you will ever be. You're the best youth pastor right now that you will ever be. I'm the best pastor that I will ever be. What a shame. What a shame if right now you are the best church member that you will ever be. The Christian life should ever be a life of ascent. Jesus did not save us to maintain. He saved us to rise. So to those who are profitable, to those who are profitable, let me talk to you first. I'm glad that God is using you to serve in the ministry. I'm glad that God is using you to help in his work. Maybe you're a profitable father. You're a profitable mother. You're a profitable profitable spiritual leader. I am very glad about that. But when's the last time you challenged yourself to do something a little higher? Or are you satisfied with where you are? So let me talk to you Sunday school teachers. I hope we have profitable Sunday school teachers. So let me talk to you Sunday school teachers. I'm glad that your Sunday school is healthy. I'm glad that it's come a long way, but there is still more to do. To all of my Sunday school, not mine, to all of God's Sunday school teachers in this church, when is the last time you set a higher goal for yourself that would stretch your faith in that class? When's the last time you said, I'm going I'm to shoot for this, and it made you a little bit uncomfortable? When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you caught a vision for your class? Are you happy with where you are now? Or are you saying, you know what? I want to see this thing double in a year. And then what do you do in order to do that? Do you just sit back? Well, let's pray it down. No, you got to put things into place. Get up. Stop looking at the view. I'm glad that you have a lot of people in your seats. Stop looking at the view and look at Christ. And what would he want? To our musicians. We have come so far in our music ministry. We have come so very far in our music ministry, and I believe God is pleased with what is happening. You should not be satisfied with where you are. 
If you're playing the piano, playing the organ, playing in the orchestra, singing in the choir, singing up here in a, in a special, I believe God is pleased, but you should not be satisfied. When is the last time you set a higher goal for yourself that would challenge your skill? And that would strengthen your skill. When's the last time you said, I'm going to practice more? I'm going to practice harder. I'm going to learn more. You can either get comfortable with how far you've come in your musical ability, or you're going to say, I'm going to practice, and I'm going to push, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to serve with heart so that I can go higher. And that's really what's important. That's, I, you realize skill isn't everything. Skill is not everything. If you spent more time praying for God to work on your heart than you spend practicing for God to, for, to work on your hands, you'd be a blessing. You remember Cameron Wedge? The guy couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And he played the banjo and he's up north at Providence Baptist College and he brings his banjo. <laughs> And all these high church Yankees are like, we'll take our pipe organ, thank you very much. We had, our, we had Friday night fire. We had Friday night fire, which was a time for the preacher boys to get together after curfew. We had permission after curfew, and we would, we would have a church service. And there was always a special and Cameron gets up there. And again, the guy, the guy can't sing, but he sang. You get what I'm saying? You know what he did? No piano, no accompaniment. And he, he's from down south, so I'm, I'm not going to do it with, a, with an accent. But He just stood up there. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares to you. He sang from his heart. And you know what? Over time, he got better and better. But skill isn't everything. But musicians, when's the last time you challenged yourself? This next one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize these words so I don't have to look down. I can, just, I can just stand up here and look at my Savior and sing to him. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. <clears throat> Ministry leaders, our nursery's come a long way. God bless you, Miss Maria. And you know it's not you. Music ministry has come a long way, Brother Danny. Sunday schools have come a long way, Brother Scott. Ushers have come a long way, Brother Mark. Academy has come a long way. But it doesn't matter how far we've come, there's still more mountain to climb. We've got to stop looking at the view, and we've got to start looking at the summit. 
When's the last time you set a higher goal for your ministry? When's the last time you set a higher goal for your ministry to where it would do better for God and it would do more for God and it would reach further for God? Now, you chill out because you need more space and you spend money every time you want to grow your ministry. <laughs> m- m- massage, massage chairs were brought up at one point. Insurrection, calm down. That is not the rising up we're talking about today. Soul winners, soul winners. Some of you guys are on fire for souls, and I absolutely love it. I prayed for soul winners. I love the fruit you're seeing. God is glorified when you leave a soul to Christ, but whether you have won your first soul or your thousandth soul to Christ, there is still a city of people dying without Christ out there. Stop looking at the view. We're going higher today. When is the last time you set a new goal for yourself as a soul winner? You said, you know what, Lord, by your grace, I want to see this many people saved today. And then, hey, how about this goal? The people that I see saved, I want to see them in church. And then I want to see them baptized. And I want to see them join. We're seeing a lot of people saved. We're not seeing a lot of the others. And if you give birth to a spiritual baby, don't leave it on the doorstep. What am I saying? Never be satisfied with how far you've come. It doesn't matter how profitable you are. You have not reached your goal until you awake in his likeness. Don't brag about your achievements. Don't be comfortable with your past accomplishments. You count all those things as lost and you climb higher today. Our goal is not to win a view. Our goal is to win Christ. Our goal is not to look at how far we've come. We look at how much we still have to go. Now, I have to move forward, have to move forward. To those who are mature, to those who are mature, it's wonderful that you know your Bible. It's important that you know what God says you should or should not do. Focus up here, it's fine. They're just, I'm sure a deacon is going crazy and they need help. It's important that you know what God says you should or shouldn't do. It's a blessed thing to know biblical answers to worldly questions. But you're just sitting in the pew. You're not getting involved. You're not not serving. You're here because you know you should be. You're giving because you know you should. You're loving because you know you should be loving. You're prayerful because you know you should be prayerful. But when's the last time you put feet to those prayers? Jesus did not save you to sit. He saved you to serve. Jesus did not save you to know. He saved you to do. He didn't save you to be a sponge to bless yourself. He saved you to be a channel to bless others. I'm glad that your standards are growing. I'm glad. I think God sees the decisions that you have made to become, to move from being a strong Christian to a mature Christian. Like that fig tree that Jesus walked by on the way to Jerusalem. You are big. You are, you are plush. You are growing. You are green. But where's your fruit? A fig tree, that fig tree had everything it needed in order to bring forth fruit. But because it had no fruit, it was unprofitable. A fig tree's goal is not to look the part. A fig tree's goal is to bring forth fruit. And when Jesus saw it wasn't bringing forth fruit, curse this tree. I'd rather you be dead than look like you're alive. Mature Christian, you've come a long way. I'm not negating that. 
You've come a long way, but you haven't arrived yet. Stop looking at the view. We're going higher today. Get involved. Get involved in the work. To those who are strong, you've come a long way too. Come a long way since Jesus found you. When Jesus found you, you didn't know much at all about what the Bible had to say about life. But now you know. Now you know. There is a line between worldly and godly music. You know that. But you also know this. You can get right up to that line and not be in sin. You know there is a line between worldly dress. Oh, I'm sorry. Worldly dress and godly dress. And you also know you can get right up to that line and you would not be in sin. You know that there is a line between worldly friendships and godly friendships and worldly language and godly language and worldly philosophy and godly philosophy, worldly child rearing, godly child rearing, worldly education, godly education, worldly handling of money, godly handling of money. You know that there is a line according to the scriptures. Don't stop there, though. Let's go higher today. Now, let me show you how. And I think I'm going to have to stop and pick this up next week. I think I'll stop with the strong and then come back next week and we'll talk about the weak and we'll talk about the broken. But no matter where you are, go higher today. Amen. Now, now, let me tell you strong how to go higher. Okay? Look in Romans chapter 14. Look in Romans chapter 14. We're going to see one of our groups here. Are you ready? Chapter 14, verse 1. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. There's one of our groups. Some that are weak in the faith. They don't know. They don't yet know that there is a line. When you tell them you shouldn't listen to that music, no one's ever told them that. You shouldn't partake of that. You shouldn't watch that. You shouldn't do that. Okay, him that is weak in the faith, kick to the curb and tell him, come back when you know more. How are they going to know more without the church? Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. Yep, and then sit him down and berate them about all the areas where they're wrong. No, not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Let's just give an example here. One person believes that he can eat anything. But another who is weak eats salads. To all you vegetarians out there, God calls you weak. Just saying. It's not true. It's not true. One believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Now, more specifically, it's talking about meat offered to idols and unclean meat that, that people grew up. No, you don't eat that. But then once Jesus came and he nailed the law to his cross and he, he put, put aside all of those ceremonial laws, now you have these people who had grown up for generations saying, you don't eat that, but now you're, no, if you eat it with Thanksgiving, you can eat it. And somebody who was strong said, okay, cool. But then you had other people who are weak saying, what, what are you doing? 
eating that. You're not supposed to eat that. Okay, so we have a division here. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. So if God receives him, why in number one are you not going to receive him? Verse 10, why dost thou judge thy brother? You're not supposed to do that. Well, you're not supposed to do that. Why dost thou judge thy brother? And why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Not to you. Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account, not to one another, but to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Let's stop saying, you, you can't do that. Well, you can't do that. Okay, let's, let's say this instead. Let's judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, Paul is about to give his opinion as far as the whole meat thing. You ready? I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. I've come to the conclusion in my Christianity, there's nothing wrong with the meat. Other people haven't come to that conclusion and I'm not going to persuade them. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not chari charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of. Okay. A strong Christian knows I can eat meat. And I can even meat offered to idols. A strong Christian knows that, Paul says. A mature Christian will say this. Maybe I can, but should I? Maybe I can eat meat offered to idols, but should I eat that meat if it will offend my weaker brother? Look in chapter 15, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. You're a strong Christian, I'm glad. How do you go higher? A strong Christian becomes mature when he stops asking, can I, and he starts asking, should I? Now, this is more a Sunday night message at this point, but maybe you need it. Stop asking, can I, start asking, should I? All right, let's apply. A strong Christian knows, I can go to a movie theater. Guys, I can go to a movie theater if I want, okay? If I want to watch movies in my home, I can watch the movies in my home. Now, there are some movies, obviously, that I should not watch, okay? And do I recommend you go to a movie theater? No. Because you can't? No, because you shouldn't. Well, I'm not participating in evil. I'm going and watching Minions. Okay, but right next to that, they're showing an R-rated movie with nudity. And another church member sees you walking into that theater, which one are you going to? Which movie are you going to? Oh, pastor, now we're, uh, yeah, yeah, we're growing. Is it really that big of a deal? Not if you just want to stay strong. But if we want to go higher and become mature, it's going to be a big deal to you. 
You know that you can. Should you? Should you? If it's going to offend a weaker brother. I'm going to make you nervous. Are you ready? I'm going to make you more and more nervous. A strong Christian says, I listen to this music because I believe the Bible says I can. Should you? Should you listen to that music if it will offend another brother? I don't care if I offend another brother. You will never be mature. You'll be strong. You'll never be mature. And I just want to know, do you want to go higher today? And is he not worthy? A strong Christian says, I wear these clothes because I believe the Bible says I can. Should you? Should you wear those clothes? A strong Christian says, I use those words because I believe the Bible says I can. There are some curse words in the Bible. Damn is in the Bible. Bastard is in the Bible. Guys, I'm not trying to be crude. Okay, so can I use those words? They're in the Bible. Hell is in the Bible. Can I use those words? I think the answer, I think the question is, should I? Should I use those words? Guys, probably not. Probably not. Why? Because this isn't about what I can or cannot do. It's about my testimony with others and my love for Jesus Christ. A strong Christian says, I'm ending my marriage because the Bible gives me, in these circumstances, the, the ability to do that. Okay, you can, should you? How about this one? A Christian says, I drink this because I believe the Bible says I can. Now, time out. You know how I feel about alcohol. It's not just wrong to be drunk, it's wrong to drink. I believe that wholeheartedly. Abstinence. Total abstinence. But some people take some verses in the Bible that seem to give place to drinking, and they scream, ha, see? I can drink if I want to. Well, Paul saw those verses too. He saw those verses too, and his answer to those people is, if you want to argue you drink because you can, I argue I don't because I shouldn't. Look in chapter 14, verse 20. For meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. There are strong people out there that love to scream, all things are lawful unto me. A mature person will look back and answer, but all things are not expedient. Hey, strong one, you've come a long way. But we're going higher today. We're done being satisfied. We're going higher today. Stop basing what you do in your life based on what you can or can't do. And start basing what you do on your life based on what you shouldn't or should do. But why, pastor? Why can't I just sit back and enjoy the view? Because Jesus Christ is the author and finisher 
of your faith. Yes, you have come a long way since he has begun a good work in you. But until you reach the top, he has not finished your faith. He is not finished with you. So then why are you finished with him? Do you realize how much your life would have to change to go from being a strong Christian to a mature Christian? How much your mindset would have to change? Do you realize how much your schedule would have to change to go from a mature Christian to a profitable Christian? Are you going to ask, is it worth it? Or are you going to ask, is he worthy? Now, for any of you, maybe you don't know that Christ has even begun this good work in you. You are broken in sin. We'll talk more of that next week. You have all of your sins still on your account. I remember when Jesus reached way, way down to the bottom of the mountain when I was broken in sin and said, take my hand, we're going higher today. And he will do the same thing for you. You just must put your trust in him. Now, I don't know exactly where this hit you. You might be profitable in some areas and weak in others, and we'll come back to this next week, Lord willing. Guys, no matter where you are, don't be satisfied. Let's go higher today. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.